When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, this is Kat, and I support Gen X Grown Up. Whether I'm reminiscing right along with them or learning something new, Gen X Grown Up always dishes out fresh, thoughtful, and creative perspectives. You can support their efforts too. Just go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. You won't regret it. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me as always, of course, you know that George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? Would not be a show without Mo. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, everybody? On August 3rd, 1983, less than a year before the release of Purple Rain, the attendees of a benefit concert for the Minnesota Dance Theater in Minneapolis were witness to history. On that night, in the very first live performance by Prince in the newly minted revolution, the public heard for the first time many of the songs that would, just 10 months later, thrust Prince into legend status and mark a tectonic shift in the musical landscape that would reverberate for decades. In today's Backtrack, we will look back at, remember, and debate one of the greatest soundtracks of all time, Purple Rain. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of debate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of debate either, but, you know. <laughs> and if any of that sounds like hyperbole, it's because it was written by a longtime super fan of yeah. Gen X Grown Up, one of our patrons, and devoted Prince super fan, Marcus. He's been with us forever. When he heard the synchronicity, he said, oh my God, if you guys will do Purple Rain, I will help you write it. So, <laughs> including the intro we just read you, yeah. Marcus gets co-writing credit on this episode, and many of the facts that he dug up. That way we know we're not disappointing at least the biggest Gen X grown-up Prince cross-reference fan ever. <laughs> Marcus knows this is factual because he looked up the facts, but you're right, George. <laughs> it's not going to be a big, like, is it okay kind of show, right? Yeah. No. Purple Rain is just Purple Rain. I mean, we did a podcast where we talked about the top 10 soundtracks of movie mm-hmm. history at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think this was our number one, wasn't it? It, was it might have been. It was, it was, was musicals debate, of some kind, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're debating whether this was a musical and soundtrack. Whether or not it was a musical was up for debate. Not the the quality, but whether it qualified. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yep. But it was definitely up there in our list. That was a backtrack about musicals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We did a backtrack specifically about soundtracks. Oh, okay. Oh, you're right. We did that too. That's right. That's a whole different thing. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. You're right. On that one, that was number one of the soundtracks. It's been on many of our lists and for good reason. And for good Mm -hmm. reason. So uh, we know that the first time we did one of these based on an album, it was met with great positive response. And so just took us a little bit to get there. We are here again. So can't wait to talk about Purple Rain. Before we get to that, though, time for a quick fourth listener email. And the fourth listener this time around is Kevin, who dropped us an email and 
the subject of his email is ice cream trucks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Another okay. back tracks that people have enjoyed. Kevin says, I'm still listening to your back catalog trying to catch up. I just finished the ice cream truck episode. <laughs> Back in 2000 or 2001, when I worked as a mechanic for Land Rover, they would send us to other places for training. One time, they sent a few of us over to the Land Rover dealership in Houston, Texas for the summer. Mm -hmm. At that time, they had an ice cream truck that came to the dealership. Oh. Best part of it, there were two young ladies running the truck, and they came by in bikinis. Oh, <laughs> good marketing. That's the business I need to be running. <laughs> Needless to say, uh -uh. there was always a line. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had this picture of George's bikini, and I'm like, I don't know if that works. No, I <laughs> no, said run the business, not oh, the running, truck. Run, okay, run, okay, gotcha, no. gotcha. Not He's man, in the back it. office. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm the one hiring the talent. Oh, got it. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> Kevin, I'm sure you enjoyed a lot of ice cream that summer while you were mm -hmm. in Houston. I certainly would have myself. So <laughs> he wraps up his email by saying, hey, John, where is the Goonies backtrack? <laughs> mm -hmm. Refuse to do it until yeah, he watches the movie. He says, I know it's a newer movie or show, but George could do a backtrack on Big Fur. Another something <laughs> nope. he's never seen or cares to see. <laughs> nope. And finally, he says, and since Mo didn't grow up with good music, he could do a backtrack on Waylon Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> so hit us oh. all in what we don't know well yeah. fair enough mm. <laughs> i couldn't name a single one of his songs oh kevin wraps it up saying as always i enjoy your podcast the best fourth listener kevin m nice. ah. hey kevin all right now he's the self-proclaimed best you know what you're the only one this episode that makes you the best as far as i'm concerned yeah. just thrown down a gauntlet because marcus right? wrote this damn episode i don't know how you get better than that oh <laughs> <sighs> I'm not going to debate that. I'm going to get in so much trouble. So I'm going to just let that one go by. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I do want to thank you for writing in. We love it every time the fourth listener drops us a line. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it is so easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one and most of them, like Kevin's, will eventually make the show. All right. It is time to jump into this Purple Rain backtrack right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Now, the number one box office sensation comes to home video at a price you can afford. Prince in Purple Rain. music you love plus the complete movie experience on video cassette for just $29.98 suggested list buy it on VHS and beta on sale now at all Camelot music locations on VHS and beta we have to first talk about Prince the, the guy himself the man. before before we get mm -hmm. oh, into yeah. the music because Fair. I mean yeah there wouldn't be any of this without him so he was born actually it's funny his name actually is Prince 
go figure. Uh, but it's Prince Rogers Nelson, which is mm. that's a handful, man. Born June seventh, nineteen fifty eight. So not a Gen Xer, but that's okay. He was close in, <laughs> in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, his father John Nelson was a jazz pianist, and his mother Maddie Shaw was a jazz singer. So obviously had a huge music born background. into ah. music. Yeah, and he wrote his first song, Funk Machine, on his father's piano when he was seven. <laughs> seven. I wonder if there's a recording of Funk Machine. I wonder I if anybody know. recorded that. Find that. Well, though. I mean, according to Kevin Smith, there's a whole damn archive on his estate of shit none of us will ever get a chance to hear that this man has done. Yeah. So I don't doubt that it's around somewhere. Right. There's a lot of stuff out there. He's still releasing stuff posthumously. I mean, yeah. this, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. He did. He just put out so much music. He's the busiest performer ever who's dead. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it's not really that surprising, I guess. I mean, clearly he was had a natural talent, but nurtured by two musicians in his family, which yeah. is, you see people have two actors in their family, like Maya Hawk, and like, well, obviously she's an actor, <laughs> but Prince grew up in this home, <laughs> first song at seven, because he had musician parents encouraging him to become mm-hmm. that talent that he had the potential yeah. to be. Like, I mean, from the movie, I knew about his father being a musician, but mm-hmm. I had no idea mm-hmm. about his mother until Mo just informed us but uh-huh. one thing that's probably not a fact that people are surprised by is that he picked up a crap ton of instruments by the time he was a teenager in the late 70s and stuff and i guess there was like a bidding war that all the major <laughs> record labels uh had amongst themselves because everybody started hearing about how talented mm-hmm. this guy was now if you think about it he's not growing up in a music centric city He's no, in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. At that yeah. time, of all places. in the 70s, nobody knows Minneapolis for music. They know it for <laughs> like cold Eskimos and ice cream trucks, as we were talking about earlier. They don't know. <laughs> Prince they have an airport, music, but I know there's that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's because people recognize, like you said, it, you might look back now and go like, boy, boy, they threw too much money at somebody. None of them were wrong. Like yeah. they were all, mm. they were bidding over somebody that clearly was they were only wrong and not throwing enough money. Enough right. money. Lost right. was wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. This was clearly a once in a generation talent. We know now in hindsight, mm-hmm. they were gambling on that. And their gamble, as you said, was right. They should have gambled more, frankly. Mm-hmm. As we start narrowing in on on this album in particular. So Prince's resume has some amazing stats on it. He sold over 150 million records worldwide Mm, throughout his career. His discography, 42 studio albums, including four soundtrack albums, four (laughs) live albums, nine compilation albums that has one of the soundtrack albums in it, 17 (laughs) video albums, and three albums that came out after he was dead. Okay. Jeez. I mean, that's that's not an average talent. Not everybody has that career. Not even like Michael Jackson is still putting out albums. I mean, he's been passed yeah. for even longer. It's bananas. And his stuff is still, he has more songs, as you alluded to, that are in the estate that they're still being slowly meted out. Mm-hmm. There's more stuff that people have not heard yet. For decades, there could be more gradual. I, mean, I want to hear Funk Machine. Can I hear that song? That's, right, I do That's hear the that. one <laughs> that I want to hear, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and the thing was that we talked about the bidding war. I mean, he initially signed on with Warner Brothers back in 77. Mm-hmm. Okay. 19 years old. 19 years old. He's a kid. He's yeah, just he's a, kid. a kid. Yeah. And his contract, he produced his own albums right from the start. I mean, now that's crazy. Immediately. Yeah. Which they say, I mean, I can I'm sure it's happened some point, but I'm not that big a follower of music. Like I would the know only that, other but person I could think that might have gotten that kind of control that early would have been a Stevie Wonder. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But most of the artists, you know, they paired them with like an experienced producer usually, right? Of to course, it makes get sense. them and shape the sound and figure out. But I guess, you know, he was, he knew what he wanted to do. He knew how he wanted to 
to make his mm-hmm. music, and that was that was it. And how easy could that have just come across as this punk? We just gave him a bunch of money, and now he's going to tell us how he's going to do his albums too, right? And then they went, but fine, he did it, and they let him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, you can kiss my assless chaps. I'm doing my own stuff. <laughs> I mean, you move into, you know, his first release album for you in 1978. Mm-hmm. This is the one that I didn't know. I don't know who came up with this fact, but I'm going to read it just because it's impressive as hell. 27 instruments on that album. He plays every single instrument on it. Yeah. Jeez. So much so that the album credits just say produced, arranged, composed, and performed by Prince. Yeah. No other fucking names. Just <laughs> full <Prince. stuff>. Period. <laughs> Man. Mm. It's really, it's unbelievable that, well, if he has that kind of talent, he's going to rise to the top. But how easily could we have, like he'd been born into a not musical family. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. What, what would we have missed out on, you know? As we get closer and closer to the album that we're going to be highlighting, we are highlighting in this backtrack, Prince went on to achieve critical success and moderate but growing commercial success. Mm-hmm. He had influential albums uh, like Dirty Mind in 1980. Mm-hmm. In 1981, he did Controversy. And then, of course, the one that I know probably the best, even better than Purple Rain, myself, is 1999 that he put out mm. in 1982, yeah. in, in advance yeah, yeah. of 1999, until in 84, he blew up with the motion picture soundtrack that we are now highlighting here, Purple Rain. Yeah. Now, Purple Rain was his sixth studio album. Despite what we learned about August 3rd of 83, when many of these songs were first heard or recorded or seen, this album itself was publicly released June 25th of 1984. Yeah. I mean, it's got a crazy lineage. You want to talk about statistical achievements. So first (laughs) album to hit number one on the Billboard 200, 24 weeks at number one, 122 weeks weeks total on the damn charts, 13 times platinum, 25 million copies worldwide, Grammy Hall of Fame, Library of Congress. I mean, (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, what more can you slap? It's unfair. Cooter from Dukes of Hazard loved it. Whatever you can throw accolades at this damn thing, it hit every single one. Well, and you could say any statistic, and I'd believe it at this point, yeah. based mm-hmm. on the, the talent of the man and just the lineage and the history that he has had. Look, one of those could have been BS, and I would not have caught it because it fits right, right, right. in with all the other credited things right. that it had. And also, we talk about how good the album is. It was not just us saying that. You look at all these different <laughs> lists of best albums in the world. You know, Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's number two on its list of best 100 albums of the 80s. It's in the top 500 greatest albums of all time by Rolling Stone. It's in their list of 25 greatest soundtracks of all time. (laughs) Just makes every list somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, basically, for greatest soundtracks, it rated second behind the Beatles' help. I mean, come on. Oh, wow. (laughs) The only thing that beat it was the Beatles. That's good company to be in. Yeah. (laughs) And and I might argue that point, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I would too, personally. I would too. I like the Beatles, but fucking Purple Rain. (laughs) Yeah, Time has it in its all-time albums in top 100. I mean, everybody, everybody out there, you you find a list of best albums, it's on there. I mean, maybe different Mm -hmm. locations but it's on the list for sure i you guys know i love movies i actually think that i probably know a crap ton more about the film than i do the (laughs) album itself Mm -hmm. Uh, it Mm -hmm. won the oscar for best original song score go fucking figure (laughs) yeah really like how it was not going to win (laughs) that that, was that no anything else had won that year people are storming the fucking oscar stage that's right and slapping the shit out of chris rock there is no question <laughs> that this thing absolutely deserved that award. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Keep the Beatles' help out your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Well, it also won two Grammys, Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal and Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media. So there you go. And Grammys, Oscars, top two, top five, top 100, top everything. It's yeah, just rename all the, the categories Purple Rain and be done with the, it. The Purple yeah. Rain Award. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, before we jump on to the get into the album, though, I have to tell you, because okay. I was a big Prince fan back in the day. I was huge. Sure. Okay. Uh, 1999 was the second album I ever bought. Oh. <laughs> and I got to see Prince in concert for the Purple Rain tour. Oh, and, ooh, really? Yeah. And so I, I still remember this because I was in well, high school. I grew school. up in New York where everybody well, goes. No, no, it was, it was an unfair right. Because yeah. it was like back in the day, tickets went on sale, sold out in hours, right? Sure. And now it's only the scalping market, which, you know, they mm-hmm. charge us ridiculous prices. I couldn't afford it. But one of my friends calls me when I'm at my job after school. He's listening to the radio back in the day when there's radio. And they found out that radio one contest? of the ticket masters accidentally held on to 200 tickets. Oh, wow. And didn't sell them. And he's like, uh, I'm across the street <laughs> right now. <laughs> From that and ticket you know master? What the question I asked that guy is, what the fuck are you doing across the street? Get in line. <laughs> I know. Damn it. Why aren't you he's over there? He's see how many tickets I wanted. So I got, I said, get one for me and my brother. Yep. He went there. We were center 20 rows back. <gasps> Holy for that shit, concert. Mo. And we paid co- regular cover price for it. Oh. So, I mean, and back then, I mean, even then, it was like, I think their tickets were about 60 bucks a pop back then, mm-hmm. which, you know, today's mm-hmm. dollars, that's nothing, right? Let me tell you, worth every penny. Sheila E was the warm up. Oh, it was one of the oh, best yeah. concerts ever. Yeah. So, so it was, it was worth the money. You enjoyed oh, the show? Jeez. If I had the money, I would have paid a lot more. <laughs> but that right. was the most I could afford yep. at the time. That's mm. cool. Okay. Listener, here we go. When we get back from this next break, we're going to drop the needle on side one of Purple Rain and run through it song by song. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. The very best of Prince, the ultimate collection from the ultimate artist. Seventeen of Prince's masterpieces on one CD. Just like with our synchronicity backtrack that we did, uh, there are two mm-hmm. sides to this album, as there are on most records. <laughs> with, with most albums. <laughs> right? That's I mean, not works. all. I've seen some that just have one side. But okay. this one starts off with what Marcus, the guy who helped us plot out most of the uh, podcast here with mm-hmm. the factoids he found and all, just the fact that he loves this uh, this album in general. The best fucking album intro of all fucking album intro time. <laughs> Is that a direct quote? That's a mouthful that... <laughs> 
completely encapsulates this song for me. It's not just that it was a great album, but the eulogy for this thing called Life, the little segment at the beginning of mm-hmm. Let's Go Crazy, mm-hmm. it's an introduction to that song, but because it's a spoken word segment, it's an introduction for the whole concept of the album, and sure. it's perfectly delivered and done. It's got the nice little kind of like a synthetic organ that you would hear at a hip church in the 80s mm-hmm. maybe yeah i can hear that's that. playing behind mm-hmm. him and then you've got his spoken word and then it ramps up into the beat It's one of my, if not my favorite song on the album. I mean, all the songs on this album are great, so that's a really difficult thing to say, but holy shit, is this a great song to start with. Yeah. This song is, like, so motivational and fun. Mm -hmm. Even when you start with, like, the organ thing, which, by the way, is really cool, I will admit, like, the, the lyrics are about getting through life and battling against evil and, you know, finding the good and those sorts of things. And it's not all of the album is like that. And there, there's, no. there's songs on the album we'll get to later that are about loss and one's about love and one night stands and things like that. But for a starter, for an upbeat kind of like, let's get this party started, that's the one that's forgot, had to be first. And it is. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, also, you can't forget the guitar solo at the end of this thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And this, oh, some of that just annoyed me to no end in New York. On the radio stations, they would cut that out. Oh, because they had to get on to the next they song. They had to get on time because mm-hmm. yeah. it was too, too long. And let me tell you, that was the most annoying because the song ends, you hear the first quarter of that guitar solo, and it just fades out. Yep. Kind of like what a lot of radio stations did to Layla, the Eric Clapton song, right? Yeah. They cut that oh, whole yeah. second half off because, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't necessarily go with, but it's an integral part. I found it interesting that... They had the unedited version in the movie, which originally they were going to put on the album, mm-hmm. but they wanted to make room for another song, Take Me With You, so they did have to cut it down for the album version. Mm-hmm. But apparently the plan all along was to use the movie version, which doesn't always happen. Usually you yeah. get a specific album version on a soundtrack. You don't often get the movie version. At one of my... Uh, sore spots with Color of Money, that soundtrack. Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Is that a lot of the songs that were in the movie didn't quite end up the same way on the soundtrack. Even though I love soundtrack, but oftentimes the album dictates the songs, not the movie. In this case, Mm -hmm. it was going to be the movie. Yeah, yeah. Marcus gave us a few stats here, too. Uh, This is the second number one hit on this album. Certified gold by the RIAA. Mm -hmm. 965,000 downloads, digital sales of this song. And then in 2016, after Prince died, this song went back to number on the charts, number 25. Wow. <laughs> again, you know, it didn't get re-released or anything. It just now it's back on the charts again because of people Prince's foremost in their mind, because uh, I guess how emblematic this is. And you can imagine, you know, we had just lost Prince uh, to a stupid series of events where he didn't surround himself with people that told him, you know, check yourself or you wreck yourself kind of thing. It was a tragedy. And so you can imagine this feeling of loss. They want to hear him singing about the positivity of life and what he represented, not what was emblematic of his passing. So I can see why that may have happened. Mm. A great first song for an album. Yeah, yeah. It gets you pumped for the whole rest of the thing. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's not another one here that I would have picked first. It makes sense. It does get me yeah. pumped. Yep. Wow. I mean, how do you follow up Let's Go Crazy? But he did, right? Yeah. The second song of the album, one of my favorite ones too, is Take Me With You. Mm. Mm.
I think it's the only duet in the album, and it's with the phenomenally talented and gorgeous uh, Apollonia Cotero. Mm, oh, okay. yeah. From the movie. I mean, she is just obscenely attractive. I think this one, I just liked it because when he's doing a duet, he doesn't overpower. I mean, he could easily overpower anybody he sings mm, with. Certainly. I would think. But he just makes, he just blends his voice with hers. And I think it just makes it just a gorgeous song. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's really nicely placed in the film as well. I mean, I know we're talking about the album, but this one has significance to the film because it's them coming together as a couple in the movie when they're riding on his motorcycle. They go to the lake and he plays the little gag joke on her and everything about mm, Lake okay. Minnetonka yeah. and everything. <laughs> it's a really nice, smooth, like, I don't know, sultry song a little bit, but not like in a, I don't know, negatively adult way. It's just, it's really nice. I, yeah. It's refreshing mm. almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously it seems like this is one of Prince's favorite songs too, because it was like a staple in his live set lists like afterwards. Like he always seemed like this oh, song always seemed to come yeah. back up. Maybe it's because it was a duet too, so he could bring other singers in with it. I don't know. Mm. Oh, there's a trend on this album that this album I enjoy. I listen to it regularly, but it's not one of my favorite albums. So I don't know it intimately. So I had to go back and re-listen to this mm-hmm. to re-familiarize myself. I'm like, oh, that was on this album. That was on this album. I hear the songs individually. I don't know that I've ever listened to it as a cohesive piece. And what I noticed is starting with this song, and I guess not surprisingly for a man of, I guess he was 24, 25 at the time he recorded this. It's a lot about, it's almost like high school drama. And this <laughs> is, sure. It's but wanting love, seeking relationships, seeking acceptance. The lyrics of this are all about almost desperate for companionship. It's like, just take me yeah. with you. Whatever you do, just, I want to be mm-hmm. there. I want to be with you. It's a young person's craving for intimacy. I mean, both physical and emotional. That is not in this this song, but in more of them that throughout this album. And I guess it makes sense. He was at that point of his life where he's finding himself and how he relates to other people and the opposite sex. Well, and it's probably flavored an awful lot by his family relationships because we know mm. he had a lot of issues with the fatherly, abusive love okay. thing that was going mm-hmm. on in his household. Mm. So I imagine that that desperation you're talking about seeped its way into the song where oh, he's yeah. transferring the love that he didn't maybe receive or felt like he needed from his parents that he was transferring mm-hmm. it to the next individual and in this case was the object of his desire sure mm-hmm. yeah makes sense now the third track on this album is another one that is about looking for love looking for companionship and that is the beautiful ones mm. This track is a real slow jam. Most of it is a slow jam, I will say. Yeah. And I think in this one, Prince really shows off his vocal range. He goes from very soft and tender and then gets kind of becomes a crooner. And then he's kind of just suffering and anguish. And then by the end, there's this, just the stereotypical Prince screaming, just wow, wow, (laughs) he does this, this thing that somehow it doesn't sound like screaming. It is still a vocal performance. It's still singing, but it's this over the top, almost a screech that he does showing this just crazy passion that he has uh, and is exhibiting in this song. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me not to remember the scene from the movie with this particular song because, you know, he's singing it to uh, Apollonia with Morris Day was like right next to her. He's trying to convince her to come to his band. Right. And he's singing this to her. And I'm thinking, I remember as a kid, I was even watching this. I'm like, if somebody 
seeing that to your girl right next to you, you're screwed. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah, just there's just, no coming just, back. Yeah, right? you just just leave at that point because there's no way you're winning that you know winning that one. As we were talking about that last song, this is another one about finding love. In this case, finding true love, not so much just a, a infatuation, but seeking for that that kind of love. And it's it, we, in that kind of impassioned voice we were talking about. It's like this desperate plea to be accepted in a relationship. And again, mm-hmm. George might go back to his home life as well. I mean, he's seeking it in in the arms of a lover here, or a companion, mm-hmm. but it might be an affection or attachment that maybe he didn't feel he fully got in his home life. Yeah, I mean, he's still young at this point, like you said, oh, in his yeah. early 20s. There's mm-hmm. no question that, you know, as we all are going through those stages in our life, that our home life or, you know, trouble or lack thereof colors everything we see or do or think or feel. And considering that his outlet is so creative, you know, being a songwriter and a musician Uh and a Mm -hmm. singer and everything else, the only wonder is how it doesn't come through even bigger and louder, right? Right. Like, he's so good at pulling it back just enough to let you have time to think about what he's singing for and through that... It really highlights his genius to step above his personal turmoil to put something into song that everybody can relate to, but still leave enough in there that 40 years later, we're still, you know, like, oh, crap, what about this part? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was reading that they actually, there was an interview where Prince said this song was about vanity. That's what he wrote the song for. Oh, Because okay. apparently she was supposed to be in the movie and she backed out. And that's why he got Eppelin yeah. to replace her. And he says, you know, the beautiful ones are the ones you always lose and all that. I mean, that's where. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what he, that's supposedly straight from Prince. Uh, a lot of people speculated who he's writing it about, but I guess that's it. Mm. Yeah. All right. The next song in this album, uh, it's a weird one for sure. Um, has the <laughs> weirdest introduction, I think, of any of the songs, but it's Computer Blue. Mm. This is one of the few songs that he actually didn't write himself. Like he wrote with the other members of the band. So this is actually kind of a group collaboration song. Okay. Um, so, and you kind of hear that too. I think a little bit in the song. It doesn't. It doesn't sound quite the same as all the other ones. You know, it definitely seems a little different. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find the beginning to be. And artists do this, especially mm-hmm. artists that have full control. If this was micromanaged by a producer, they would have been like, "Okay, listen, Nelson, cut it out with this squealy synth at the beginning. Just get right into the pop song." <laughs> but instead, we get this real like ethereal kind of weird synth going yeah. on at the beginning yeah. that like what did you said is sound like it belongs in George you said uh in Blade Runner and Blade Runner or yeah, something. Blade Runner. <laughs> I feel like the first part of the song in yeah. should be in the movie Blade Runner. The second part of the song should be in the movie Weird Science. Because they're, they're it's almost like yes. they're two separate pieces. It is like they're stitched together. That intro is and the second part is very, very poppy, very rock pop mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's they hear the beginning, like I could see somebody going, Oh, that's not for me and skipping it and not knowing that it turns into a different song in a second here. I know that uh, Marcus called out being an expert on the album and the artist that things to listen for here are the indulgent synth guitar <laughs> yeah, and yeah. a Lynn drum machine. I guess that's a particular one that Prince used. 
And that this whole, it feels like an interlude for something. Like it's this breath between a couple of things, which I guess, I guess I could see. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad place in the album to have that though. If you're listening yeah. to this album, side one to side two in order, that's probably a good place to throw the interlude, if you're mm-hmm. going to yep. call it that, in this musical mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one that I would come. This is one that I would skip to. Like if I was, uh, if I happened to have the album, I told you I didn't listen to the whole album together. Like I would listen to When Doves Cry. I would listen to Computer Blue and Purple Rain. Like those are my three. I would always make mm. sure I heard. Mm-hmm. If I didn't hear, well, then I kind of had to listen to Let's Go Crazy. Okay, I listened to most of it, maybe not the <laughs> sequence, but this is one I always really enjoyed. But I enjoyed that second part, not so much the weird synthy beginning because it yeah. was kind of spacey and loopy mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. I still never understood the beginning of this thing, though. Like, what that had to do with anything with Wendy and Lisa talking to each other. Oh, Is right. the water warm enough? <laughs> Is the water warm? I never understood what that had to do with anything. I mean, I was with it. I went with it. But I never, to this day, understood why Like, you kind of wonder if that was describing a scene that was supposed to be shot in the movie that never got <laughs> oh, shot. Or ended up on the cutting room floor, maybe, <laughs> maybe, or something. The last <laughs> song on album side one... Mm-hmm. As Mo pointed out, most albums have two sides. This is side one. <laughs> Just I point that out, you know, for our listeners. Like a I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> is Darling Nikki. Ooh. Mm. She took me to her castle and I just couldn't believe my eyes. She had so many devices and I think this (laughs) song probably uh, matured me faster than anything else (laughs) in that age of my life. Uh, This song is like, I don't know how to describe it other than it's like power synth rock through parts of the song. It starts off just kind of, I don't know, like molasses slimy kind of. Yeah, the beginning almost sounds like like carnival-ish at the beginning. Yeah, like the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a, yeah. But there's no question in my mind that as soon as you get into the lyrics of this mm-hmm. song, mm-hmm. you understand right away why oh, yeah. a lot of adults had problems with this album. It's apparent. Let's just come right out and say this is a dirty song, and it's oh, fun. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know? It's fun. It is. It's, yeah. it, it is, it's pretty straightforward. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, there's not like Oh, there was a lovely young lady, and we met, and we had some... No. What did the unicorn mean here? I saw her masturbating in the lobby. Like, whoa! I I still remember, I was listening to this record in my room. I look up, and my dad's, like, in my doorway, because this song was playing. (laughs) (laughs) And he just stood there, and he's, like, cocked his head. He's, like, listening. He looks at me. He shakes his head. He just keeps going. (laughs) That's it. That's kind of the scene in the movie, too, though. Like, nobody is saying shit when he's playing this song on stage right like everybody's like what the fuck is he playing and like Morris Day you know because he's the he's like the the bad guy you know counter to his he's like oh he done fucked up now this is our (laughs) stage (laughs) they're gonna kick him out I mean it was a crazy diversion but it kind of feels like side one builds to this point yeah if you listen to all these songs Mm -hmm. in a row You get to this point, I don't think it's a surprise that you get there. It's just a shock when you are there. Yeah, yeah, for That's sure. an amazing point, right? So we get the party started, then we're looking for love, we're trying to find mm-hmm. true love, and finally we meet this girl in the lobby. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> and finally we're wet. 
That's all we right. know. <laughs> and this, I mean, it's it's a one night stand song. It's pretty much yeah. what this yeah. is. Pretty straightforward. And not only are the lyrics raw and primal, mm-hmm. but the the rhythm mirrors that. It's yeah. a very grindy kind of song. It has a little edge to it. Yeah. Oh, oh I don't want to. I can't unhear George making that noise. <laughs> Just, oh, oh my goodness! Help! help. Yeah. <laughs> you can't unhear some things, John. Sorry, but the, uh, also the way the song ends is weird. Like that whole, you know, that it's, it's like that whole. Mm-hmm. It's actually yeah. it's Prince talking backwards. It's backmasking, right? I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, why do that too? Because like you said it's this whole like raw, just uh, song, and also you get this weird little light, like kind of like almost whimsical ending to this thing, which yeah. I thought was just it was weird. I loved it again. I you know I'm not gonna pretend I understand it. I just liked it, but it was it was definitely something different for sure. I didn't, but I kind of want to just take and play that track backwards to see what Prince was saying there because I don't know. I, I wonder you. if it's. <laughs> oh, do you I have it? You know what he's saying? Yeah, I have it. Okay, it What's says. He Hello, how are you? Fine, fine, because I know the Lord is coming soon. Coming, coming soon. That's what he's saying. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not what I thought it was saying, but okay. Nope. <laughs> I, to me, John, you mentioned about, you know, one night stands. I always think of a one night stand song in the country genre. I never think about it in the rock genre. This kicks every country one night stand song in the nuts, left, right, and center. <laughs> right. This is the best one night stand song in the world. Right. Now, the country songs are, I'm sorry at the honky tonk. She had tight jeans, <laughs> took her home, and she was a lady <laughs> for me. Looking for love right? and all. No, wrong places. No. Nah. Now it's like, what's the noise you made? Can you make that noise again? Right. Roger, whatever that was. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Don't make that sound anymore. Yeah. So, uh, so according to Marcus, uh, and as some corroborated elsewhere in the news, parental advisory stickers yes. were started this around that, yeah. this song yep. on this album. And it happened because Al Gore's wife did not respect her 12-year-old daughter's privacy and heard this song and was unhappy about it. Right. <laughs> now, there might be some argument that as a parent, she's entitled to know what her child is listening to. That's fine. But she was being nosy. Yeah. I, yeah, this is not a song for a 12 year old. I kind no. of agree That's with fair. Al Gore's wife in this case. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> parental advisory like it's not the band like you guys can't have this album right. at walmart kind of thing but mm-hmm. yeah advise the parents it's, a it's little like i'm make you aware of what's on this thing right yeah, yeah. yeah. Let you know i'm okay with that yeah. now, when i was 12 fuck you parental advisory i didn't want to hear it but <laughs> i want to hear it Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. 
You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at genxgrownup.com. Let's go crazy. Friends. The Purple Rain Tour. Let's go. December 7th at the Yard. Friends and the Revolution and introducing Sheila E. Get tickets on Monday at Festival Tickets 224 Delaware and at all the usual festival on the states in Canada. But kid is hot. We're just a little bit over halfway through the album now. Side one had five tracks. Side two has four. And uh, side two kicks off with uh, a, a really 80s hit that there's no denying. And that's When Doves Cry. This was the lead single for the album. In fact, yeah, what a song. The, the video for this song came out before mm-hmm. the movie did and had right. clips from the movie. Yep. So you got this kind of sneak peek of what was coming up in the movie if you were a Prince fan or just a fan of good musical uh, movies. And so this is immediately catchy for me. It has a bit of a, we were saying in the break, George, it has a little bit of that spoken word at the beginning, a, a little bit like the beginning of the album, but it gets right into what is a just a seminal 80s pop song that it's immediately catchy, immediately a toe tapper. But interestingly, in a minimalist style, there's no bass in this song. I didn't realize that until I read the trivia really? that Marcus oh, wow. gave us here. Okay, I No bass at all. So, huh, interesting. Huh. I had no idea. Yeah. It was like, huh. Huh, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I want to bring up though is like this is something that today I'm not saying people are missing it, but it's just different. Is that back then we had album had two sides. The first song, both sides, was really important. Important, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like when you flipped over, that first song had to be important. It had to keep you playing the rest of that side. So mm-hmm. for this to be like the kickoff song for the second side of this album was just like hitting a home run, like right away. Made sense. Yeah. I mean, arguably, I like I we have a segment later on where we're each going to get to champion a particular song from the album. Right. I don't. Have have this is the song that I would champion because I honestly figured, okay, somebody else wants yeah. this as much <laughs> or more that. than I do, and let me pick something else. But it may be the greatest 80s pop song. I mean, it is huge when it comes to... It. I was totally shocked. We talked about it last week on the podcast that we went to SFG and there was an 80s band there. I was right. 100% confused as to how this song or any of the songs from this album weren't Didn't on make the it set there. list. Right. Mm. Huh. Yep. Well, it's not a solo opinion, George. I mean, to reinforce <laughs> what you just said, you think it's one of the best, you know, 80s pop songs. Uh, Marcus gave us some stats here. Uh, this was Prince's first Billboard number one for five weeks. Mm. Do you believe that's his yep. first number one song? I, that just blows my mind that that's his first I mean, number one. That he'd gone through several albums 1999 first. 1999 yeah. was going to be I the know, first number right? one Nothing song. On there. But... Let's see. This was the top-selling single uh, of 84. So when Doves yeah. Cry, top-selling single. Certified platinum, one and three-quarter million digital sales in the United States. Mm. And again, in 2016, it recharted after Prince's death went to number eight on the Billboard 100. <laughs> I want to know what the fuck the other seven songs were. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
And uh, and this particular song, number 37 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. That's not, so, that's pretty good. No, no, it's no slouch. It's funny you talk about the digital sales. I mean, that means that that's how many people downloaded it well after the album was came out. You know, because we didn't have mm-hmm. digital downloads that's when right. this album came right. out. Of course, not so, 84. No, that's that's pretty amazing. I love that. Uh, one more little bit of trivia about this song. This, of course, Marcus seems to have a soft spot for this song mm-hmm. because he had a lot of info on it. But this is really fascinating. In the middle of filming the film, Purple Rain, Prince was called by the director and said, do you have a song to go with a montage about intermingled parental difficulties and a love affair? Very specific. <laughs> he didn't. But the next morning, Prince had written two songs and one of them was this one. Wow. Was he, was he early chat GPT or something? Like, was that like you give him like <laughs> right. a small prompt and he just generates something? Prince GPT. Just go make... Right? Yeah. <laughs> Prince, give me a song about intermingled parental difficulties and a love affair right. in the tone of a pirate, right? whatever just give him anything and he's gonna give it to you and just amazing that this song one of the best songs of all time was written by request of the director to fill in a particular spot in a movie that he needed wow oh just okay all right nelson apparently you're awesome i get it yeah for me though (laughs) to me just the opening guitar riff right at the beginning of this song is i don't know it just grabs me every single time oh yeah it just pulls me right into the song Mm -hmm. and then it's that little guitar riff and then down into the beat yes that's right Mm -hmm. it seamlessly falls right into it like it's natural oh all right, three left on this side of the album. Before we start, Mo, you're going to do this next one for us, but I mm-hmm. wanted to mention, we talked at the top of the show that August 3rd, 1983, when there was that big concert, these three songs on the album were recorded on that August 3rd concert. These were the ones oh, that really? people heard for the first the time. The last three here on the album. These last three wow. that we're about to do. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right, so let's jump into the second song on, this, on side B of this album, and it is okay. I Would Die For You. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Typical Prince using a U instead of spelling it out and a four instead of you know, early, before early you. Lead, you know, before anybody else, before the computers, he was doing that. <laughs> this is like such a great, upbeat, high energy song. And I mean, in the movie, it was placed perfectly because it's right after Purple Rain, you know, which is kind of like a very dramatic song. And then they go into like this right. amazing, just upbeat, just exciting, full of energy song. This this is definitely one of my favorites from the album. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a solid song. It brings a resolution to the story from the movie. Mm-hmm. It it's kind of the order that they have on the album doesn't quite fit the order of the film, mm. but that's okay because the last song on the album is fucking awesome. Who cares where it goes? <laughs> right, it could be in like five different positions on the album. Yeah, but this mm-hmm. song it's it was a really nice kind of a a sum up of the whole emotional context of the relationships of the storyline. Cause oh, it wasn't yeah. just Prince and Apollonia. It was his mother and father mm-hmm. and even stuff with Morris day and the time. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, we recognize Prince, you know, all like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a beautiful song on so many different levels. Yeah. And it was the fourth single that they released from the album. And it was the last one to reach top 10. So it reached number eight on the Billboard oh. list. Oh, so, poor Prince. Only number eight. I feel Only bad. number eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the previous ones, too, I feel this really shows Prince's age. And I don't mean that derogatorily, but he was a young man. This is a lot about mm. relationships and stuff in here. 
and I Would Die For You, I think is is the epitome of this, almost like a, a high school or junior high infatuation song. To the, to the point that, like, I would put my own life at risk to benefit you, the listener. That's how much I love you and care about you. And it's a, it's a crazy over-the-top love. I'm not saying that love like that doesn't exist. It clearly does. But think about when you're young, how just incendiary love feels. Like, what is this emotion? I'm just, it's it's tearing me apart. I can't believe how mm-hmm. powerful it is that you're willing to put your own life at risk. And it might be something that an older man, an older prince, might not have had a song quite this this volatile or quite this, oh, I want to say, just all in on this person unconditionally. But because he's that age and because we hit him at this point where he has this full control, we have a song like this that other people of that age would not have been able to convey through music like he was able to. So Mm. thus, we were able to get a song like this, which is pretty remarkable and powerful because of his amazing talent and the control that he had. And yeah. this one also, you see a lot of Prince's religious beliefs too. I mean, he was very religious. Yes. And you know, yep. things like, I'm your Messiah and you're the reason why uh, I would die for mm-hmm. you. That's a great, you know, message from Jesus. Certainly. You know, symbolism. You know, sure. so you see a lot of that into it. But to me, it's just like an upbeat love song. It really kind of, I don't know. It's, I'm trying to figure out, you know, it's, it's not sappy, but it's definitely talking about like a relationship and how much he's devoted to the person and all that stuff. But it's very upbeat, which is weird, actually, in a way. You think about it. Well, and to your point, it's instantly, a fun song too before you know what yeah. the lyrics are before you pay mm-hmm. attention just the, the staccato of the I would die mm-hmm. for you it, it feels just energetic mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to a point that like that's great and then you hear the lyrics and you're like well and it's this great you know all in love song on top of being such a fun pop song so yeah I'll, spoiler alert listener in the break a second ago I'm like I might change my favorite to this one <laughs> later and then we started <laughs> yeah, talking about jockeying them around it's like it's the problem is there's just so many good ones that's the problem yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Marcus points out that uh, the Prince typically would play this song, I Would Die For You, back-to-back with the next song that appears on the album, but also because it's the next song that appeared back-to-back in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that movie that is also the last song in the movie is Baby, I'm a Star. Mm. Obviously, this song sums up the story completely. So the first Mm. song that we had just a second ago summed up the relationship part of the story from the movie that was also the album. This one sums up the entire storyline, gives us a period on the end of the sentence for the movie's paragraph. And it's proclaiming Prince to become the next big thing. Surprise, fucking surprise. That's <laughs> yep. exactly what happens. Yeah, you, know, you know, I mean, he, he becomes that. You know, I, I know that there's some lines that we've got on this Trello card about it's that's a prophetic song and everything like that. Hey, regardless of whether this is your favorite song on the album or one that you would listen to just because it's on the album and you're waiting to get to the mm-hmm. next song that we're about to talk about, yeah. it's still a great 80s pop song. Mm-hmm. Undeniably, it is... 100% in that genre. It's perfect for that time period. It's perfect for the movie. It's perfect for the story that he's telling with the album and the movie. It It's perfect in every aspect that it's used. I'll tell you what I love about this particular song is how it stands out and is different from, I think, every other song on this album, where the other songs are about reaching out for a relationship, for approval from an other, for I would die for you, right? Or, or the loss of when doves cry or something. This one, though, it's about me. It's sure. looking me look look how confident i am look Mm -hmm. how awesome i am uh look at i believe in myself i'm an individual it's not looking for it's finding that validation within and 
<laughs> it, in a funny way, it's going to sound silly. This song reminds me a little bit of Toby Keith's How Do You Like Me Now, where okay. he finds <laughs> fame and validation through his music, which is kind of the, you know, oh, you kind of disregarded me before, but look at me now. Look, look who I am. Look what you missed out on kind of thing. I love yeah. that kind of self-reliance where the, and it shows even just throughout this album, some emerging maturity that's, here's Prince as this young man who's talking only about sex and relationships and love and infatuation. And here it is. But I'm my own man, and I stand on my own two feet, and look what I can accomplish. I love that about this song in particular. Mm. I just like the way this song and the song before just kind of go together. I mean, especially in the movie, because yeah. you think like sure. you think you're listening to the final song, right? And then all of a sudden, it just <laughs> goes right into his nut. You got oh, I'm like, I was so happy, like, oh, we got another freaking song, awesome, and it just and, <laughs> it's, it's still going. <laughs> and and the energy doesn't come down at all. It's I mean, no. they just flow perfectly one into the other. It's like that point of the concert where you're like, oh. He's done. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, there's there's more. more. Awesome. Yeah. Right? Two encores. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's all <laughs> Exactly. And it kind of plays during, like, the ending video sequences as well as what might be the credits or something like that of the movie. This is a song, and there's other movies that do this same thing, like an Eddie and the Cruisers 2 or, mm-hmm. you know, musically based okay. films mm-hmm. yeah. where... When they get to the song, there's a moment in the song where you're okay with like the freeze frame spot of the ending of a movie, you know, like where the yep. the lead character spins and whips their hair and boom, freeze frame. Well, that's the freeze, right? Like that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I found an interesting bit of trivia about this song. You originally wrote this to be the parade song in Batman for the Joker. What? Huh. Wow. What? So he was working on the Batman album well, soundtrack at the I, same time? I guess so. I mean, wow. they came out in 84. That's when Batman came out, right? It was about it was that same year, wasn't it? I guess. Or and it's, I'm just about connection. the same time. I'm like, okay, but, all right. But, but, wow. he, but there was some reason <laughs> that didn't want to use the song, so he decided not to, and then but it wound up here. Fucking hmm. A. It's, I could see it in both places and be happy. It's kind of like the Oh Yeah movie that was in uh, Ferris Bueller and oh, The yeah. Secret of My yeah. Success, yeah. right? I'm, I'm great right. with that song being in both films. This one would be absolutely perfect as the Joker's Parade theme song. No kidding. We have made it now to the final track on side two. Also the final track of the album. Also the title track of the album. Also a fucking amazing <laughs> what song. What could it possibly be? Huh. Speaking about this track in particular... Prince, with with inclusion of this track, had the number one movie and the number one album and the number one single all in the same week. That's been <laughs> done only twice before by Elvis Presley and the Beatles. That's it. And Prince is yeah. the third person to ever do that. I think they were pale in comparison, but okay. If you <laughs> have not yet picked up on what I'm putting down, we're talking about Purple Rain. I Phenomenal song on a phenomenal album. I, I should clarify that this track in particular only reached number two. Uh, he did he did have a number one song at the same time as the album movie, just not right. this song. One of them off the album. Right. It's like Bruce Springsteen not having a number one, right? Yeah, it's I know. Fucking I know. ridiculous. And would you believe Ugh. this was number two? What made it number this two? That kills me. That kills me. Wake me up before you go go. Oh my god. The gosh. song that I skip every time I see it. <laughs> Okay, now, uh, I, I don't really disagree with you, but I just watched that a whole um, uh, the documentary. The Wham documentary. The Wham yeah. documentary. 
I kind of have new respect for those guys Do in you? this song after seeing that documentary. So Maybe. I'm, I'm not saying this should be number one over Purple Rain. I'm okay with it being number one until Purple Rain came out. <laughs> <laughs> until it got there. Well, even though it was only number two, Certified Gold, as you might imagine, in 2016, after the passing of Prince, it recharted to number four. Mm. And this particular song, number 18 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Does yeah. that mean that this song has has never hit number fucking one. That's never. what it sounds like. It, yeah, it, never it, just, did. it, it was just Holy up there with so many heads. And it was, it was competing with itself too. There were other songs on the same okay. album fighting it. You know, well, wake me up before you go go. <laughs> All you Spotify, Twitter, XE people, whatever the hell the Twitter versus <laughs> things are, go out there and listen to this fucking song right now so it can be number one next week. This is bullshit. <laughs> this is the utter version of the l- song thing of bullshit. This is ridiculous. <laughs> never number one. Never number nope. one. Now, the song's title, Purple Rain, I think is, uh, I've read that it's symbolic of a quiet storm. That's what the purple rain represents, in which the the singer, Prince in this case, and the other person they're talking about have to weather their emotions together to find peace. So it's working through this storm, emblematic of working your way through this relationship to find an actual part where I'm happy and you're happy. And the song also talks about that relationship between these people, that it's filled with such raw emotion, but also looking for a deeper connection. I think that's in there too, which adds to the power. I mean, beyond the musicality, just the lyrics make it so powerful. Yeah, for sure. I was shocked to find out that this was originally written to be a country song and he was going to collaborate with Stevie Nicks. I can hear that. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a different kind of country song than if yeah, you're talking yeah, about Stevie right. Nicks. Not, right. yeah. not, not, not the twang country. That's the twang country. Right. And this is the way it reads anyway in Wikipedia and other stories I've read is that he sent it to Stevie Nicks to do the lyrics and she listened to it and she's like, she says, I can't do it. She said, it was wow. too, she thought she wasn't up to the task. Yeah. She said oh. it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. And then so basically then he brought it back to the, the revolution of the band. So Lisa started playing like the guitar part over it and he loved that. And he says they basically played it for like six hours straight and then they had the final version at the end of that wow wow think about the balls on that young 20 year old to send a song to stevie fucking nicks hey take a shot at this yeah <laughs> i mean you're busy are you <laughs> right she's a fucking queen of music at that point oh yeah she's that's huge crazy mm. now you know that that chant at the end of the song that was made up by Prince on the fly at that August 3rd show, the thing that kicked off this oh, whole wow. backtrack. He was performing the guitar solo and he just spontaneously came upon that riff. He never played during any of the practices, but he knew really? he was on to something because he played it for almost an entire minute at the end of the first recording, working out the whole woo-hoo-hoo chant and stuff yeah. that people still sing along anytime somebody plays Purple Rain. Yeah. That was extemporaneous. That was in the moment. Wow. At that amazing 1983 concert that brought us these songs. That's kind of like a Queen Freddie Mercury band right. kind of moment. Right. right. Exactly right. Well, mm. I'm so, I just think that if this wasn't recorded live, we wouldn't have it. Not in its form. Not the way not it is. Not in its form, right? Certainly yeah. not. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, okay, so sports guy of the podcast trio here, <laughs> I'm going to bring up the fact that this is part of what is considered to be the greatest Super Bowl halftime oh, show shit, yes. of all time. Oh, yeah. Right? Wow. Right, right. Not just because it's fucking Prince. Like, don't get me wrong. There have been amazing acts. The one that just happened a few years ago that was like Dr. Dre and Eminem and all mm-hmm. those guys oh, yeah, from yeah. that re- that was awesome, too. I love that. But It's like nature conspired to make it even better. <laughs> right, because during the last half of the set, 
it fucking starts literally raining, <laughs> pouring. And the last song on the set is Purple Rain. They're lit up purple. I remember the giant flowing banner with a shadow behind it, cast oh, up on it geez. and everything. To this day, John, we talked about this at SFGE a little bit with Marcus and other people. I don't really have music moments that make me tear up. I, music, mm-hmm. I love it. It's great. I don't have the same emotional connection to music that I do to film. However, that moment, now granted it's a visual moment, but that moment still almost makes me tear up just thinking about it. It was fucking beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yep, It's still considered to be one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time. Oh, yeah. Probably would have been without the rain, but you could not have planned it any better. And he played right Mm -hmm. through it. And you're right, there was already purple lights everywhere. It was illuminating the drops of rain that just looked otherworldly. Get the hell out of here. Amazing. Mm -hmm. All that talent and lucky too. Shit. (laughs) I don't think he was lucky. I kind of think God went, you know what? You deserve some rain. Here we go. (laughs) This is a good song. I'm going to make it rain. All right. Maybe so. Fair enough. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. The very best of Prince includes 1999, Let's Go Crazy, Raspberry Beret, Purple Rain, Kiss, Little Red Corvette, and many more. the very best of prints. Call the number on your screen now or send just $18.98 for CD plus $4.95 shipping and handling to the address shown. Call now. Rush delivery available. As we have established with our musical album backtracks, in this last segment, we do something that gets increasingly more difficult the more quality the album is, honestly. And that is, we're going to definitively pick a track that we would like Uh. to represent and champion as the best track (laughs) on this album. No, that is not not what I'm doing. That is not what I'm doing at all. You're saying that. All right, but it's it's, because there's not a right answer is the problem, right? (laughs) Well, it's not mine. I'll say that. What's the best track for you at this moment, given the current conditions. So, so George, <laughs> with all those caveats, champion a track. Tell me which one's the best for you. Yeah, so current conditions being that I knew both of you wanted to pick the other two songs that you guys are going to champion. <laughs> yeah. I had to find a third because otherwise we would likely be stepping on each other's toes left, right, and center. I knew that going in. I'm like, okay, well, I know John and Mo are going to pick these two songs, so you guys mm-hmm. can figure that out. I decided 
why not go with the first song on the album because it is super fun and it kind of the title of it fits my personality a little bit especially in the (laughs) 80s let's go crazy was a great song am i gonna say it's the greatest song on the album no there are other great songs on this Mm -hmm. album that are better than this song however among the greatest sure (laughs) each of these songs are great in their own right it's Mm. I mean, there are some things that it's very difficult to pick the best of. Yeah. And I think this album is kind of that way. Pick the best song from this album. Maybe there are songs that are slightly lesser than others, but that doesn't make a single song the greatest mm-hmm. song of the album because Fair. every fucking thing on this album is awesome. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, yeah. You're, it's it's the hardest yeah. thing. And I, I said a minute ago that I was about to change my answer, but it would screw up all of our coordination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because, look, I could pick three or four and explain why I think they're the best for any given situation or whatever, but I have selected to champion When Doves Cry. It's yeah. a good one. I mean, it's a good one too. I it's mean, a number one it is it is i yeah. feel like it stands out for me because there are several songs in this album that are kind of samey now careful don't jump on me samey in that they're about pursuing a love interest there's a oh, lot okay. of that okay. in this album. that's, that's okay <laughs> right so the, the, the thematically samey right the very reason i said i so much enjoy baby i'm a star which is not my pick by the way obviously when doves cry is because it's a different kind of song And that's why I like When Doves Cry, though it's this great pop song. At its core, when you dig into the lyrics, there's a lot of discussion about dealing with the pain and hurt of losing a loved one. And -hmm. it's not front and center, but it's it's woven throughout this on how, you know, the sadness of that can be inevitable and you just got to accept it and move on and move forward. And there's a positive message to it while also dealing with things that happen to us in real life. And I... It's another one where I felt there was a level of maturity Prince was exhibiting beyond his years at this point, where he walked the line, a great pop song that you just listen to the the tune and the rhythm, and it's amazing. And the more you choose to dig into it, the more layers of the onion you peel back, the more mature and serious it is, and the more I like and respect this song. So mm. that's why ultimately I landed on and stuck with, after even after waffling, When Doves Cry for my pick. <laughs> so, Mo, Can't how about you? waffling. Yeah. So you guys, like, I mean, like you said, I could have picked, like when I first saw the two you picked, I was like, damn it. But then I was like, wait, there's, there's, there's plenty <laughs> there's to plenty pick more. from here. Right. <laughs> and then when I thought about it, the more I thought about it, this actually would have been my first pick, which is Purple Rain itself. That's a title song. Um, Fair point. And this is, this is going to be a totally non-scientific reason for me for some reason this seems to be showing prince's talent the most to me i don't know why and i don't know if there's a, a reason for it and maybe you know but just like the whole like it's just mostly it's like him and the guitar mm-hmm. it just it just seemed like that was like this was like a prince song you know yeah the band's in there but really i think it was just him mostly that helped the focus of it and so it just seems like that's why i just really really just always enjoyed this song and it's also it's i mean mm. it's eight minutes long i mean it's a yeah. long song but i can listen to it over and over and over again and eight minutes just flies by yeah yeah yeah. Well, you'll notice that George did not call bullshit on either of us because there are no wrong no. answers yeah. to championing a, a track on this both album. Of those songs for the one for me to champion, that you but could I have. knew yeah. I had yeah. to leave yeah. them open for everybody else to have a oh, spot. Man, one more little nugget of trivia here that Marcus shared with us. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, Marcus, thank you so much for your research and your enthusiasm and your uh, your willingness to volunteer to do the research for this. I know it was a bit mercenary because you want to make sure we did the backtrack, which is fine. That's, we <laughs> Except bribes. It's no problem. But uh, he had this quote that said, Prince was very excited. The Revolution's drummer, Bobby Z, remembers of that August night they introduced Purple Rain to the world. He was saying, we're going to make history. 
That's what he was pushing us to do. And that's exactly what they fucking did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. What a backtrack. There's no low points in this album or in this backtrack. I hope, listener, you have enjoyed this. I know that we've started to get a lot of feedback on these album backtracks, and I think this will not be the last one we do by a stretch. A lot of great albums out there. Write in and let us know what you thought of this one, what ones you would like to see next, and we will take that under advisement. Before we leave, I have to send our heartfelt thanks to another brand new patron. Wow. Head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon and chucked us a few bucks every month to just help us continue to do what we do. Keep the lights on, pay the bills, help support us. Albert R. Thank you so much, Albert. I see you. He stops by my vlog. He's commenting on YouTube videos. He is a holistic Gen X grown-up fan. He's in (laughs) in all of it. He's in all of it. Albert, thank you for your support. As you know, you're joining a roster of amazing people. I cannot believe the caliber of people that that, that flock to us, that want to support us, that believe in us. It tells me we're doing something right. If you would like to join Albert and that crew of amazing people, all you have to do, head over to patreon.com slash genxgrownup for as little as a buck a month. You can add your name to the roster and further support what it is that we're doing. That's going to wrap it up for this backtrack. Don't worry, we'll be back in two weeks with another one, but next week is the standard edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here, man. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, pal. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you, though. We all appreciate most of all, and we can't wait to talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Just wondering if the ice cream truck could be labeled like push ups and have a bra. Oh, as yes. the thing, right? Yes. Mm, Bomb yeah. pops. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a, a million and one products that right. you could throw up there that would... Bombshell pops, they would be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody's got to wear the Daisy Dukes, according to George. Right? Well, yeah. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly. And our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.